certainly consider it a blessing and a wonderful opportunity to engage in worship with you this morning. I beg a sincere interest in your prayers as we go to the scripture. I'd like to draw your attention this morning to Luke, the 10th chapter. Uh, Brother Marlon said in his prayer, uh, asked the Lord, beseech the Lord in his prayer that he would bless us with mercy here this morning. And as we consider that thought, I'd like to discuss an account which exemplifies mercy to us as children of God. And this is a, an account of mercy. I'm sure you're all very familiar with this, with this parable. Jesus is apparently, based on the chronological events of the preceding chapters, he is standing in front of a crowd of people. And he is beginning, and he tells an account to exemplify a certain concept to a lawyer who asked the question of him. And beginning in the 25th verse of Luke, the 10th chapter, we read, And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, that is, Jesus, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said unto him, What is written in the law? How readest thou? And he, and he answering said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. And he said unto him, or Jesus said unto the lawyer, Thou hast answered right, this do, and thou shalt live. But he, willing to justify himself, said unto Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Now before we read this account that is to follow these verses, this lawyer has asked the question of Jesus. And essentially he asks Jesus, What must I do to be saved? And Jesus answers him, and immediately the lawyer follows it up with another question. Who is my neighbor? If in order to do as I said, I need, do as you said, Jesus, I need to understand who my neighbor is. And Jesus, in answering his question, gives a parable. And Jesus answering said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves. Now Jerusalem and Jericho at this time were the two major uh, cities of imports and exports at that time. They were both very rich cities. Jerusalem would have been one of the biggest cities of the known world at that time. It was a massive city. Millions of people. It was surrounded by fertile lands filled with crops and trees. The Sea of Galilee was nearby. It was a center of commerce in this area. And Jericho was another center of commerce. It had date palms. It had all these other fertile, it had fertile land surrounding it. Crops were being grown around Jericho. And so a man gathers his goods in Jerusalem and no doubt goes down to Jericho to trade for some of the things that they possessed that Jerusalem did not have, such as maybe dates or one of those other commodities that Jericho had. And as this man went down, he fell among thieves in verse 30, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance, there came down a certain priest that way. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise, a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion on him and went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine and set him on his beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And on the morrow when he departed... He took out two pence 
and gave them to the host and said unto him, Take care of him. And whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. And now, to close this account, Jesus asked the question of the people who were standing nearby. Which now of these three, thinkest thou, was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? And the lawyer answers him, and he said, He that showed mercy on him. Then said Jesus unto him, Go and do thou likewise. Now understand, we read quite a few verses of Scripture there. But as we consider this account, this account is generally considered as a way by which we could better understand how to show mercy on our neighbor. I think you would all agree that's the, apparently the clear meaning of the passage. When we think of mercy, this is the account that we can go and read in order to better understand what mercy is. Here we have exemplified an act of mercy. The Samaritan comes by after a priest and a Levite have both passed this wounded and robbed man on the side of the road. They both look at him, and essentially what they do is they just look at him, and they just turn around and walk the other way. But a Samaritan comes by, and when he came to where the man was, he looks upon this man, he comes down to where he was in the ditch, he takes care of his wounds, he no doubt picks him up with his own two hands, puts him on his beast, and takes him to an inn, and pays for his broom and board. I think y'all would all agree that that is an act of mercy. Now, how does this connect to the question that the lawyer asked Jesus Christ? What do I need to do to inherit eternal life? In other words, we might ask it today, what do I need to do to be saved? This man is trying to trap Jesus. And if I could elaborate here for a few minutes, I believe this lawyer understood who Jesus was. He calls him master. He understands that there is something special about this man. He is much more than just the typical rabbi. He's much more than just the typical uh, conjurer that would come along every couple months and try to deceive the people and lead them astray. This man has a mastery about him. But he asks Jesus to trap him. He says, Master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. Now, if we stopped there this morning, we would think that Jesus just told this man that what he needed to do to be saved is just to love the Lord and love his neighbor, will we not? But as we continue to read, we realize that Jesus didn't stop there, and the lawyer didn't stop there either. As Jesus answered him, you'd think he would have been satisfied. The lawyer must, should have said, well, Jesus, I understand perfectly. I'm about to go on my way. But rather, instead of doing that, he asks another question. He's not justified in his mind. He doesn't understand. Even though Jesus gives a clear, straightforward answer to his question, the lawyer still doubts himself. And he asks another question. But in verse 29, it says, But he, but the lawyer, willing to justify himself, said unto Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Again, this lawyer still didn't understand. He asked the question, trying to trap Jesus, and asked, asked Jesus, How, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? What do I need to do to be saved? And Jesus gives him a clear, straightforward answer, does he not? It's relatively simple, but it is still not the end of the story. Because this lawyer understands that although Jesus may have told me that I have to love the Lord as to the best of my ability, I have to love Him for all of my life, and I have to love my neighbor as myself, I cannot fulfill that. He still can't justify himself in his own mind. 
And so Jesus provides the end of the story. It's not about loving the Lord to the best of your ability because none of us will be able to do that. We will fail at some point along the way. It's not about loving our neighbor as we all every single day because we will fail. As I think as you would all agree, not many of us, if any of us, have had the opportunity to show mercy as the Samaritan did to this man who was laying in the ditch. So Jesus explains to this lawyer, it's not about keeping the law. It's not about remaining perfect for the rest of your days. Salvation is about mercy. And in this account, we not only see how we ought to show mercy to each other, we see how the Lord has shown mercy to us. And I believe as this lawyer walked away, he understood that it's not about keeping the law. It's not about remaining holy and perfect and aloof from this world. It is about the mercy that this man standing before me will show to me, shows to me. Now, let's examine some of these corollaries here. Now, as we said before, this is a very clear picture of a man showing mercy upon a a man who was in trouble. He comes to where he was. He does not pass him by like the Levite and the priest did. I'll point this out. This man, the lawyer, believed that in order to be saved, in order to inherit eternal life, he had to keep the law. He had to love the Lord and he had to love his neighbor. And if he did that, he was fine. But Jesus exemplifies to him in this account of mercy. When, it, when you are laying in the ditch helpless, the law will pass you by. The Levite will pass you by. But it takes the Samaritan who shows mercy to come down in the ditch and carry you out from where you are. And the lawyer, I believe, understood this by the time Jesus got through describing this account to him. And he understood that I can't keep the law perfectly. I will not be able to. I will fail day by day. The law is an extremely complex and demanding regime. And it's extremely complex just to love your neighbor, to love the Lord. Because every time we sin, every time we do the smallest thing that is offense to God, we have shown that we do not love Him as we ought. I think you would all agree. We all do that on a daily basis. Me more than any of you. And we have ceased to love Him as we ought. And so the lawyer understood this. He understood that when it comes, when it comes the time that I'm laying in the ditch, the law will pass me by. The law will not suffice. When I'm laying helpless with no one to help me, the Levite will pass me by. But when, G- when the Samaritan comes by, the man who shows mercy, that is what will help me through. Amen. I think you would all agree that although Jesus was not the Samaritan, Jesus was an Israelite, some of the qualities of the Samaritan certainly uh, ring true of the qualities of Jesus Christ. Right. Now, a Samaritan was not someone who was widely accepted among in Jewish culture that day. They were considered lesser, a lesser people. They were descended from one of the heathen one of the heathen nations. They had come into Jerusalem and Israel in that area during the time of one of the times where the Israelites were taken away in captivity and they were basically considered 
just low invaders. They were considered robbers. They had come into Jerusalem in the waste of one of the invasions that had left this, the country. It was laid waste. All the people had been taken away. Only the beggars were left to fend for themselves in the ruins of Jerusalem. And so while the Israelites were gone, the Samaritans came into the land and began, began to inhabit it. And so when the Israelites came back, they couldn't fully drive them out. And they were still here and there. There were little settlements of Samaritans. They passed through. They traded among the Jews, but they were still considered lesser. They were not a Pharisee. They were not a Sadducee. They were not one of the religious elite. They were looked down upon. And in the same way, when Jesus came to this world, He was not into this world. He was not considered one of the religious elite. He was not considered one of the political elite. But when He came into this world, He stooped down and He showed mercy to His children. I assure you today that we have all been at a point laying in the ditch helpless, having been struck down and robbed by sin, laying helpless without any man to bind up our wounds, to pick us up out of the ditch and carry us to a place and pay our debt. That is what the Samaritan did for this man. He came to where he was. If you could picture this in your mind, I don't know exactly what it looked like, but the Samaritan was walking by this man probably with, with maybe even a caravan stretched behind him. This man could have been very successful. And he looks down in the ditch and he sees a man laying there. He comes to where he was. He draws level with this man who's laying in the ditch. And he doesn't just stand up in the ditch and say, uh, somebody come help this man. Call 911. I need a first responder out here. He gets down in the ditch. He binds up this man's wounds. He picks him up with his own two hands and carries him to an inn. And you notice when he gets to that inn, not only does he cover the immediate expense, he tells the innkeeper, if there's anything else this man owes, I will pay it in full. That is what Jesus Christ did for each one of His children. Not only did He provide for our immediate expense, not only did He provide the kingdom of God for us to serve and rejoice in, He paid for the long-term expense when He died on the cross. Not only did He provide a kingdom for us to walk and rejoice in, He paid the ultimate price for all of eternity, all of our debt, for all of our days, for as long as you can remember, for when time is no more, He paid that debt in full. That is what the lawyer understood when he walked away from this account. He understood that it's not about keeping the law. It's not about loving the Lord with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength because I will never be able to do that. It is about a man that showed mercy and had mercy on me. And I'm sure he came to realize when he heard of the, maybe when he heard of the crucifixion of Jesus that that is when Jesus Christ had mercy upon me. We've all been helpless in the ditch. We've all been dead in sins. And we needed a Savior who would show mercy to us to bring us out of that. He paid. He he took us out of that ditch. He bound up our wounds. And He took us to the end of, I believe, what would be His kingdom as born-again children of God. And He paid for our immediate expense. And He paid the expense for all of eternity. Now, when we understand that, we can begin to understand how this doctrinal question of the lawyer correlates to this account of mercy. Because the lawyer asked a relatively doctrinal question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What do I need to do to be saved? 
And Jesus gives him the seemingly straightforward answer of love the Lord and love your neighbor. But still, this lawyer, again, was not justified in his own mind. He felt, even though that I've tried to trap Jesus, but tempt to Jesus by asking this question, the tables have been turned. Now, I understand, I can feel in my own mind that it's not about the law. It's not about the priest and the Levite that will pass you by. It's not about what my works. It's about Jesus Christ showing mercy on me. That's how that question correlates to an account of mercy. Because the answer is mercy. The answer is not the law. The answer is not the priest. The answer is not our own works. The answer is not about every, the good things we do on a day-to-day basis. The answer is not in how long we can maintain holiness and perfection. The answer is to be found in the mercy of God. Amen. Now, this account has many practical applications in understanding what mercy is and how we show it to each other, but it begins with understanding the mercy of God. God is a very merciful God, as we read throughout Scripture. In Psalm 136, we read at the end of every single verse that God's mercy endureth to all generations. It's over and over again. I believe it's 26 verses where we're told His mercy endureth to all generations. We're told that the Lord's... In Lamentations 3, we're told that the Lord's mercies are new every morning. I'm glad the Lord's mercies are new every morning because sometimes I feel like I'm a little bit more irritable every morning that I get up. I don't know if any of you feel like that. And my family has to show a little bit more mercy to me every day. And oftentimes, it's only when they show me mercy that I realize how irritable I'm being. Now, I know that may be rather ironic or humorous to some of you, but it's very true. And we have to understand that when we read this account of the Lord's mercy, that understanding, showing mercy to one another begins with understanding how the Lord has shown mercy to us. There is nothing that so exemplifies the qualities of our Savior than when we show mercy to one another. Amen. Mercy is, will be, mercy bleeds into almost every act of compassion we can show to someone because pride would be the opposite of mercy and the pride of life is one of the things that we are so often afflicted with as natural as natural human beings we're told in uh first john the second chapter believe it is that we are afflicted with the pride of life the pride of life is not of the father mercy is of the father remember mercy comes from the lord But we as humans, we are naturally prideful and we do not want to bend down to others' level and show compassion on someone who is in need. It is a natural response of of men to abhor mercy. And we have to continually incorporate mercy into our lives just as the Lord showed mercy. Because He showed mercy throughout His ministry. He healed those that were of a lesser position than he was because although the rulers of that day didn't know, they were all lesser than Jesus Christ. They could have all been looked down upon by Jesus Christ. None of them deserved to tie the shoelaces of Jesus Christ's shoes, but yet he showed mercy on them. He healed the sick. He touched the blind. And then at the end of his ministry, as one of the, before he breathed his last, he showed the greatest act of mercy that has ever been seen upon the face of the planet. He died for His unworthy people out of every nation and kindred and people and tongue. I pray that we would remember that this morning, that showing mercy 
to one another begins with understanding how Jesus Christ showed mercy to us. Thank you for your time. Amen.